Hey there, welcome to the Podcast Manager Show. I am so excited that you are here today. If this is your first episode, thank you for being here. If it is not your first episode, thank you so much for coming back and listening to the show. So today I am interviewing Nedra Razinas, and we are talking about how to market yourself as a podcast manager outside of social media. So we talk about social media a lot, and I, I really love using social media to land clients as a podcast manager, but it's great to know other options and other ways that you can market yourself that don't have to do with social media. So whether you find social media to be overwhelming or they don't really fit maybe your personality or your strengths, this is going to be a great episode. And even if you love social media, I like social media, and I still think that the things that Nedra recommended are still really great advice for you as podcast managers. Nedra is a marketing strategist who has over 20 years of direct experience in marketing and online business. So she has been at this for a good amount of time. Her experience includes building custom marketing strategies that make marketing easier, more effective, and more outsource friendly, which of course we are all about. We wanna spend really as little time as necessary to market ourselves so that we can build businesses that still allow for a lot of freedom in our lives. All right, without further ado, let's go talk to Nedra. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to The Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Nedra, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's so great to be here. Thank you. Yes, I'm excited to talk about marketing. But a lot of times when when I talk about marketing on the show, we're talking about social media. And today we're talking about marketing yourself outside of social media. So before we get into that topic, I would love to know a little more about yourself personally and how you started working with service-based entrepreneurs. Yeah, my background goes back to um, actually doing web design is where I got started back, you know, early days, like 1999, hand coding websites and doing it at different places. And then also just doing it myself. I think in yeah, 2005, I launched my own web design business and took off from there, but eventually became more of a project manager and was helping delegate that, the actual building of the websites to different uh, contractors. And I was um, just kind of overseeing the projects and working more on the marketing side and helping like clients with content. And then eventually what happens is, you know, they want more help that with just outside the website. And that's how this evolved is I realized that I go to these meetups or conferences or networking events. And people want to talk about everything else besides the website. And I'm like, wait, maybe there's, maybe there's more to it than just you know, I can really help people on the on the bigger scale, not just on this one piece of marketing. And that's where this is all kind of evolved from. Mm, that's that's so interesting. And I mean, I can see that just people always want to talk about marketing because it's such a big topic and it's ever changing. And, you know, one of the things we'll probably touch on is like, it can just take up so much of your time. And so people yeah. understand that having like a strategy is important. So you're not just throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping that it sticks. And so I, yeah, I think I can see how marketing people are like, I, I have my website up. And you're like, but there's more we could talk about. And they're like, no, talk to me about marketing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, 
it became obsessive at one point where I remember just going up to people and, and even just trying to have a conversation about websites and like just immediately change it to like, oh, I have this SEO thing I'm trying to figure out or, oh, mm. I have this email marketing uh, program I want to test out and run. What do you think about this? And I, I was just, okay, here we go. These are the conversations people want to have and they are really eager to have them. Mm, totally. So we know social media is a great place to market ourselves, but it's not the only option. So what are some other options for service providers to market themselves? Yes. You know, I think having a couple of things in your back pocket, you know, kind of like the tools of the trade are helpful. And my go-to, I like to always, you know, kind of see if this works for a lot of people is email marketing. This is something I've been doing since 2007. I've been part of MailChimp, early days, early years, Mm -hmm. and seen that growth. And, And it's been a really great way to connect with people over the years and really have a different dialogue than you would on social media. It's much more intimate. And especially if you're being authentic, which took me a while to figure out how to do that on email marketing. I was definitely had a facade for a while and was like trying to trying to say what I think people wanted to hear and that didn't work. I had to actually talk about my own challenges and my own stories. And that's when I kind of cracked the egg and was like, okay, here's how to connect with people. But I think that one is very powerful and it's all about the frequency. And one of the things I see people get caught up in so much, a problem that I also was tripping on was, oh, I'm going to do it too much and I'm going to offend people are going to hop off. You know, I had a expert I listened to recently who was talking about what it's like when you do have people um, subscribing to your email list is basically, it's like, it's kind of like they're window shopping, you know, it's like they're going in they're you know, maybe they're just going to try you out, see what you're about see if you know what you're talking about, kind of validate you. And and it's almost like they're going into a store to just kind of see what products are available, kind of check it out. And then it's like you're asking, hey, do you want to stick around? Do you want to buy anything? And if they unsubscribe, they're they're just not interested. And it's not, it's not it doesn't have to be so like, oh my God, I lost a subscriber. It, you know, I think especially now that I'm, I've uh, become more confident in doing this more, I see this whole like rhythm of unsubscribers, subscribers. It's just this, this funny little pattern here. So I'd say email marketing is a huge platform, especially if um, I've seen people successfully move Facebook groups into email marketing platforms. And that, you know, especially if they want to just shut the whole thing down, that's, that's an interesting way to do it. And it can be really helpful for people to feel like they're still intimately close to you and you're, you're communicating with them, but it's not it's a different kind of medium and it can feel much more um, personal, I believe. And so that's one of the things I usually have people go to first if they're thinking about reducing or even take, you know, stopping their social media uh, presence. Yeah, that makes sense. And I would think with a Facebook group that Facebook groups can grow even before they're really big to be not about the person that started them, which can be great for community building. It's not about you anymore. It's about the topic at hand or or whatever. But, you know, whenever you try to post announcements or, you know, try to promote something inside of a Facebook group, it can easily get lost because there's just so much conversation happening versus on an email it can be a conversation still because people are responding to you, but you're able to kind of get into their email inbox and say, hey, this is important. And if they care about your name, they see your name, they're going to open it and see, you know, what's going on. Exactly. That's exactly. So if they see your name, I mean, half the time it's, it's not even, they're not even opening your email, probably they're just seeing your name, they're seeing the subject and they're going, oh, okay. You know, 
it can even trigger them to be like, hey, wait, maybe I should reach out to that person and talk to them. You know, it's not even about what you wrote. It's about that you are showing up each week consistently or, you know, every month and they notice that and they, and it, you know, causes a reaction to be like, okay, I need their help or I need to talk to them. And that's pretty effective. And, you know, people go back and forth about, oh, email is it's not going to be around and people don't use it as much. They still use it. And it's really important, of course, to make sure that your, you know, your demographic, your ideal client definitely appreciates email. There's definitely some people out there that are not in that you know category, but I'd say for most of us, email is a pretty safe bet. Mm-hmm. Who are the people that are like, they don't open any emails? Because I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> Can you think I of imagine, any demographic? I imagine there's some younger folks. I think probably, you know, maybe some of the younger, younger generations that might be the case where, so here's the thing. We'll address this. There is, I've noticed even amongst myself and my colleagues that sometimes emails don't come through or they, they get a little lost in the ether, especially I use like Gmail, you know, the G Suite or I don't mm-hmm. know what the new new one is called, but I don't always see emails come through. So the backup is sometimes social media, like to direct message someone. And that could be really an effective way just to kind of make sure people get what you're sending them. So there's that, which just could be just kind of a hiccup right now. I notice with a lot of people, but yeah, I'd say maybe just a lot of younger people just are on a platform that might be the easiest way to talk to it, but doesn't mean you have to mm. have the conversation there. It's just a place to start. And that's, that's what I also try to teach my clients is that, you know, you don't have to, you know, you can use social media as a tool, but just get on there and get off and then that's it. You don't have to use it for entertainment. You know, it doesn't have to be a big part of your life. It just can be a way to communicate with people. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah, you can see it as just a messaging app. Like you can yeah. just see Instagram as a, a way to to DM people. And like you said, ask them if they got your email. Or yeah. the great thing about social media is that it has that informalness to it. So with email, I, I like using social media as like connecting with people in a more personal way. And then if like, if it's a business opportunity, moving it over to email, because then it's like separate, it separates it for me of like, okay, these are the things that I really need to be looking at my email inbox. And then Instagram can just be where I'm connecting with people and making kind of like first contacts and staying connected and stuff. Yeah, it's all about the priority and how you Again, like you said, there's a lot of people that most people I know, email is is very serious and they're going to take, you know, they're going to notice that. And then, of course, like, you know, if you really want somebody's attention, you can call them and leave a voicemail. And, and what's that? Right. Oh, my God. But it, that will really usually get people's attention. And that's, you know, it's, it's all about the hierarchy of communication. And that's something to think about when you're wanting to, you know, reach out to someone, whether it be like a client or something else or, you know, even just like introduction to someone it's about how you gonna get their attention i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's all about our attentions right now yes i had a business coach that sent us a voicemail she was using some sort of automation tool because it was like just a voicemail like the phone never rang but still was like oh my gosh this is insane because it was so like it was nothing i'd seen before and i was like so curious like how she was doing it and i was just interested in like the logistics behind the scenes but yeah Getting a call is definitely striking in yeah. this day and age. <laughs> it stands out. So, you know, it depends on what you're trying to achieve, what your what your end goal is, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, I mean, text messaging is also automated. Text messaging is also, I think, increasing 
couple of people, I feel like we're using it in the last couple of years, but now I'm, I'm seeing more and more people um, and me just receiving more texts somehow, even though I, I don't like giving my number out. I like my, my phone to be personal. Right. But yeah, I mean, some people I do, right. Some people I, I'll let them come into that world. So yeah, I, do you see that? Do you see that like automated text messaging becoming more popular with marketing? Yeah. And they have to be really careful. Like you just said, um, it can be, it can cross that line so quickly and all of a sudden you are offending or you're, you're, you're getting too personal. So I have one client who has been doing this for years. She does these Sunday texts and sends them out. Um, and they're all about how you can declutter your house more. And well, she's also takes a step further on how to declutter your life, like, you know, how to set boundaries and things like that and mm-hmm. say no to the people that kind of suck your energy. But every Sunday for, I don't know, gosh, probably like almost four years, she's been sending out these these texts and they're great. And she, I think she now charges for them, but I was able to get on early on subscriber list and they're effective. So I think if you are really targeted about what you're doing and you're very transparent about how you're doing it, you know, she's, you know, it's every Sunday morning she sends them. I think that can be a great tool in your tool belt to use for marketing aspects. But I think you have to be very transparent about it. Otherwise you will lose people and Mm-hmm. Yeah, that won't, it won't work. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. You have to make sure that you're not crossing that line of, you know, spamming people or, or, or whatever. You have to make sure that you're, you're using someone's email or phone number in a ethical way. Exactly. And that's, I think that's where people get really tripped up and they get nervous about sending stuff because they've heard the horror stories of someone offending or, you know, getting red listed or all kinds, all kinds of things, but it's good to pause and realize, okay, wait, they weren't, you know, who, who did they, you know, they weren't maybe um, following the rules and you're following the rules. That's the difference. And I think mm-hmm. people are so paranoid to offend people that they, they tend to, you know, kind of clam up and not do anything. And that's, that's sad because there's, there's so many messages people need to share that are going to help someone with their business or even maybe help change the world, but they're just afraid to offend. And so I, mm. My goal is to help, you know, help them navigate that so that they can feel safe doing it. And it doesn't have to be so black and white. There's there's a lot of gray in here that we can play with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I definitely see an email list coming into play when podcast managers in particular, you know, they've they have some clients. So they've kind of gotten their feet wet and they're maybe interested in doing more of like a group program where they're going to need to attract more people or they want to maybe launch a digital product in the future, they can start bringing people on their email list so that they can talk to more people. Because in the beginning, when you're when you're really just starting as a service provider, you just need a couple people, right? You just need a couple clients to get things up and running. But I can totally see this coming into play when they've gotten their feet wet. Yeah, yeah. And so yeah, list building, of course, is important part of building, you know, creating an email, consistent email campaign is having people on the list that want to be there, you know, again, it's mm-hmm. about quality, not quantity, but the, you know, I think people get caught up in numbers and sometimes, you know, they're like, well, I only have so many people on my email list. I'm like, Hey, you know what? If they're showing up and they're reading it on a consistent basis, that's what matters. It's not about like having thousands of people or I don't know what number people want, think is awesome, but it's <laughs> right. I, you know, they always are almost ashamed when they tell me, I'm like, no, it's, it's a start. And here's some tips on how to build that list more. And that's going to be more of the people you want. Because, you know, again, it's like you can get caught in those vanity numbers so easily. And it doesn't mean anything. Does it, it doesn't, is it translating to sales? Are you getting, you know, what's Mm -hmm. actually happening? Yeah. 
I run into those same problems with podcast download numbers, with talking to clients about how many downloads they have, because, well, my theory is that social media, the numbers on social media are so insane, right? Like people have 200,000 followers and 4 million followers and these just crazy, crazy numbers. And so it's really desensitized us to real numbers (laughs) of having, you know, a thousand people on your email list. That's a thousand people or having... 200 downloads on a podcast episode, that's 200 people that are listening to you. So yeah, I I think that's social media has just kind of blown our numbers out of the water. And it's hard to think like, okay, if I have 200 people listening to me every week, what kind of impact am I making? And you know, how does that equate to sales? How does that equate to them following me other places and, and those things? Oh, yeah, that's a great example of how you can get tripped up with the numbers. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just want to see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass, and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. So we kind of covered some of the benefits of marketing ourselves outside of social media, but are there any other benefits that come to mind to you? Well, one of the things that I see my own clients are challenged by is just this whole visibility thing. You know, like I work with lots of people that are more introverted and it's just, you know, like I was just talking to a friend yesterday who definitely would say that she's introverted and was just like, talking about Instagram reels and, and just how uncomfortable it feels to do those for her. And I, me too, I'm definitely not, I tried doing it. It just did not resonate at all. And, mm-hmm. and to be able to be like, you know what, that's not for me and that's okay. And I'm going to just put that aside and not have it on the table. And let's think about some other things that do play to my strengths and, that, you know, or play to my client's strengths and we can figure this out and make it work. So I think just the benefits of not having to, feel like you have to do all the things and it's exhausting because especially I mean just picking on Instagram reels because they can take so long and you the perfectionism involved in those are so highly critical like you do like you know 10 takes and two hours later you're like I guess this one will work I don't know it's just <laughs> right it's not something you do you know maybe if you're a YouTuber and you're recording yourself a lot that's not a big deal but most of us are not doing that and it's just mm-hmm. so unnatural and and very odd so I think you know, using Facebook, for example, just, you know, I have a lot of clients that especially in the last few weeks are like, I don't know about Facebook. I'm 
there's a lot of my personal stuff in there, but it gets mixed up in my business. And I'm like, yeah, it does. And that's the problem with that platform. It gets really confusing. So maybe just take a break and, you know, maybe only use it for Facebook groups and you're very professional, you know, you keep it separate for a while and, and don't try to mix it because it doesn't work for a lot of people. And maybe that's not even where you should be hanging out. Like, you know, I think doing little audits and just realizing what are the benefits if I kind of pull back on this for a bit and use it sparingly versus like, watch how much time you're spending. Are, are you using it for entertainment or are you using, are you trying to market yourself? And, and also too, like we said earlier, like, you know, are you talking to people? Like, are you just posting? A lot of times I've had uh, known people that go on social media and they just comment on other people's stuff and that's where they get engagement or they just direct message. They don't necessarily post, you know, and, and that's, it's the relationship building. That's really what this is all about. So if you're not really doing that on these platforms, you're not going to have sales conversations that lead to work. It's just, it's just like all fluff. Yeah. That totally resonates with me because whenever I think of like a new podcast manager starting a new Instagram account and feeling like they have to be posting. I mean, people even say posting like three times a day or whatever, or even five times a week. I post five times a week right now. And I it took me a long time to get there. I was very resistant. And I didn't want to do anything like that until I could hire someone to help me because I didn't want to live on social media. And I didn't want a lot of my weekly time to be spent doing that. I'm there now, but it took me literally like four years to get there. But as a podcast manager, that's not even necessary. I see Instagram being used like what you said, where they have some posts that people can look at, but at kind of as like a storefront almost, but then they just go on and engage with people and engage with their ideal clients, have those conversations. Because like you said, if you're just posting and no one's really talking back to you, you're not getting any feedback and you're not building those relationships, which is kind of what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we all know social media can be such a time suck <laughs> if you allow it. Exactly. It's, it's you know, I teach people to set timers, you know, have awareness, like, you know, have intention if you go on there, you know, what are you exactly doing so you can hop off and know that you've accomplished it and don't get distracted. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a total mind game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I like that you said, like, you brought up the fact that Instagram, I and probably Facebook in particular, they make us feel as if we have to be a certain person. We have to market ourselves in a certain way. It's like on Instagram, you have to do reels. It's like, no, you absolutely do not need to do reels. And if, like you said, if you, if that doesn't come naturally to you, then you shouldn't. Because it's going to take you so much energy. It's going to just drain your energy. For what reason? People are going to be able to tell that you don't feel comfortable. And so it's like, just don't waste your time doing it. Find another strategy that works for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a loud playing field right now. And so, you know, if you're, like you said, if somebody's starting out with Instagram, then they're going to be like, oh, I have to do these things. And that's the way it works. And they just think that's the norm and they just assume and, and no one's telling them different. So I see so many people fall down that rabbit hole of like confusion and, and frustration. And I'm glad we're having this conversation just to let people know there's other ways. It doesn't have to be that path. You don't have to take that path. Yeah. Okay. So outside of social media and email lists, what are some other ways that we can market ourselves? Yeah. One of the things that I'd like to remind um, my clients and community of is how, when's the last time you spoke with uh, your referral partners or people that could be good referral partners or your past clients, because those are all folks that refer you or would, you know, easily introduce you to people that could use, use your services. And so 
many times when I do, when I work with a client, I, I uh, have them ask some questions like, well, do you have a CRM? Do you have a place where you're, you're tracking that you're talking to people? And a lot of times people say no, and that's okay. Um, you know, even a good, good old Excel spreadsheet can start. But I think that it goes back to like, you know, again, having these relationships, you got to um, nurture them. You can't just assume they're going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, right now things are a little tricky with in-person. It's kind of a little touch and go with this pandemic. But, you know, there's so many good virtual meetings that are happening, you know, like virtual networking online. All these things are happening. And maybe you are working with, let's see, let's pick somebody. Maybe you're working with people in like real estate or property managers. And there's associations, there's all kinds of industry groups, you know, figure out where they're hanging out and find out if they're hanging out online or if they're in person and start talking to them and start, you know, making introductions, getting people introduced to those folks, mm-hmm. you know, figuring out who your people are and spending time having real conversation with them. I might even be picking up the phone, um, you know, figure out how they communicate and use that to your advantage so you can get your message clear to them. And so I think having a system where you talk to people on a regular basis is key. And even like, again, you can use social media for this. It's not like, you know, I'm saying you can't, but I think it's depending on the person. Everyone's so different. And I know some people in the last year, I've even just picked up the phone. I even did this in November. I picked up the phone and asked people, uh, wanted to talk about some things and people wanted to talk. They were really excited because, you know, what happens on the phone is you verify yourself. You're like, like let's say you're recruiting for a group program or something and you're wanting to make sure people know that you're sending out a special invite to them, then picking up the phone lets them know that you're you're taking this seriously and you're not just like blasting messages. Like, And also I love encouraging people to handwrite letters or at least have some kind of system. There's there's different ones out there where they will send out you know, custom handwritten letters or you know something <laughs> that lets people know that you want to connect with them. I mean, even just this is one cool series of cards called Love Pop Cards and there's all kinds of different themes and What's so cool about them is that you can, um, oh, here's a good example. I had someone who loved Harry Potter and wanted to uh, cheer up or just, you know, send her a card last last winter, kind of when everything was felt kind of blah and, and just, just say, I, you know, I care about you. And I sent her this great pop-up card. It was like this castle that looked just like you know, Hogwarts and it totally got our attention. She felt very loved and really appreciated that. And I've done that with a few folks. And so it's speaking to that person you want to, you know, really engage with and getting to know them and speaking to like the things they like. And, you know, somebody sends me a Star Wars card or a Yoda card or, you know, something like that. I know that they've been paying attention, that they know I appreciate that stuff and that they care. Mm -hmm, For sure. And like you said, like sometimes we just have to ask our referral partners or remind them to refer us and ask them how we can help them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Because really when it comes down to, like you said, it's not always about mass numbers. It's about one person that you really connect with, maybe that you've worked with or has referred you, them referring you to another person because those leads are so warm and you know, you're know you already coming in kind of as an expert and mm-hmm. you know, oh, well, they're connected to this person that I already like. My point being, you have to remind people that, hey, yeah. I would love your help. Can you refer me? And what can I do for you? How are you growing your business this, you know, this year? And you can just, you know, touching base with them, like you said. Yeah. And taking that a step further, you know, think about who are natural referral partners for yourself, you know, and I think that's something that takes a little digging into and isn't always obvious for certain folks. You know, what's been great for me is it depends on industry, but I like to tell people, you know, 
sometimes you think your competitor or somebody that's very similar to you, hmm, oh, wait, actually, they're probably really good referral partners because maybe they have clients that they can't serve that would be a great fit for you. And this happened to me. I took a, I got an introduction to another marketing person through a mutual friend, probably like two years ago. And I was nervous to talk to them. And I thought, you know, I come across as like competition or all kinds of stuff, but no, it was actually a lovely phone call. In fact, it's grown into a great relationship. We help each other out. We refer each other and she's given me so many great clients and I'm, you know, working on getting, helping her out and supporting her. And that's where it's at. It's all mm-hmm. about these relationships. And that's kind of like the secret formula is, you know, it's never who you think it is. It's, you have to be open to these, you know, might feel a little bit scary conversations, but they could lead to amazing things if you are open-minded and willing to trust that people want to help you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so true. And as soon as you can see people as collaborators versus being your competition, the more yes. likely you're going to be able to make relationships. Because when you see yourself in competition with everyone, you know, that's, just building walls and you're not going to be able to build relationships around that. So, so yeah, since my group is all podcast managers, we have to really embrace that because we could see each other as competitors, but I think it's thankfully the service-based online service providers. I feel like it is a very collaborative area versus people thinking that they're all in competition with each other, thankfully. That's good to hear. Yeah. And I think Hopefully, if folks are in communities where leaders are promoting that, that mm-hmm. can help. And that, that really seems to be the case I see with um, different industries I talk to and and who, you know, what what's the leadership saying? How are they helping provide structure around collaboration? And it's so vital because, you know, if you have a few folks that are influencers or, or whatnot that are very much lean, like they want to be competitive and they don't trust each other, then that kind of ruins ruins it for a lot of folks and it, it get it's just sours experiences that could be really magical and great so i guess it, it definitely depends on industry but luckily you know i live here in portland and most people are pretty generally pretty nice and they want to help each other so i've been pretty pre-pandemic ingrained in this community of like oh well, let's let's see how we can work together and um i know that's not the case in different parts of the, of the country in different cities so i feel very lucky that i've been spoiled for these all these years and just in the last two years, I've talked to people across the country way more because I because of the ability of Zoom and just, you know, what we've gone through. And wow, it's not always that people aren't always that open. So yeah. um, you know, just be willing to move along if, if it doesn't work and just close that door and say, I tried and don't take it personally. Don't overthink it. That's just it's just that's just how they do business. And that's OK. So I just want to preface that, you know, like say that there are people that are not open to collaboration, but it's the willingness to try to have these conversations that might feel a little scary or overwhelming and just see what happens and, you know, know that you're going to have a certain ratio of some are going to work out some aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree there. Um, now, I would love to know your thoughts on if we're like some of my students and people listening to the show, they only have maybe an hour a day to market themselves and maybe not even a whole hour. Let's just say an hour a day just to keep it simple. But maybe they're, you know, they're building up this business on the side of a full-time job or maybe they have a full-time job and kids, whatever it is. Maybe they're wanting to travel full-time or they are traveling and they just don't want to be stuck on their phone all the time. There's lots of reasons that we want to keep our businesses, you know, as kind of a part-time business. So if we only have an hour a day to market ourselves, how would you spend that time? Yeah, let's see. What I would recommend 
is first picking some kind of um, way to engage on a regular basis with your audience and your your community. And I, again, like I said, I usually usually my one go to is like email marketing, but it doesn't have to be that. It could be you have your you have a podcast, you have a blog, you know, you have some medium that you're you're sharing value and you're explaining what you're doing and how you can help people. And and it's really, you know, it's something, it's a go-to, it's pretty consistent. I think that's mostly the number one thing. And then after that, it's, it's those, it's going back to those relationships. So, you know, because that's where work happens is like, you know, you talking to folks and saying how you're helping them or how you can help them and how you can support them. And then they're like, Oh wait, by the way, I want you to meet so-and-so that's because that's kind of where the sweet spot is. So I'd say, you know, having a platform to communicate on, number one, and then, you know, showing up every week, if possible, or every two weeks, and then having your um, setting aside time to communicate with people, whether it be, like I said, like social media, messaging, email, phone calls, cards, in person, whatever it is in your industry that works the best for those people. I think those are the two things. And those are the two things that are helping my own business right now that, and I've kind of eliminated some other things that weren't working. (laughs) That's been what's helping me. Yeah. And I, what you just said there where you've eliminated other things that aren't working, especially things if you're not enjoying them and you're testing them out, test them out, see if it works. And if it's not working, take a pause to say like, is this working? If it's not, stop doing it. (laughs) Because I think over time, over time, as we kind of build our businesses, we just keep adding stuff on and we don't remove anything. And then things just kind of can feel out of control. Right. And also, too, I have to add this just because it's reality. You perhaps maybe doing those two things, that's that's a lot. So if you get to a point where you want to get your business to grow, but you have to do these things, it might be worth hiring a virtual assistant or somebody who can take on some of these action items, even just like helping you send out the newsletter on a weekly basis or, or proofreading or um, helping you make sure you get the blog post out. You know, it's just that accountability plus action is pretty powerful. And I've big believer on virtual assistants. I've been using them for years and have had some wonderful people helping me support me and and then just giving me like insight and feedback to like, oh, you could do a different way. You could do it a more efficient way. Let's try this. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's do that. That'd be way better than what I whatever I had in mind. So <laughs> I think that can be a, a huge asset, especially if you want some growth, but you just you only have so many hours in the day and you need to have a life. So it's I think mm-hmm. that I just want to add that as something to to note that that can help you as well as so having that supportive, it's just the one person, but just having that kind of a grow into a team is really the mentality we should all be adopting to achieve what we want. Yeah. And I'm sure everyone listening is nodding along because they've either maybe started out as virtual assistants or, I mean, as podcast managers, we're like, yes, we totally believe in the power of a team. And like you said, that accountability that comes into play when you have a team, but also just, again, that collaborative nature you're not the only one working on your business. You have someone who kind of can share the enthusiasm and keep you moving forward. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, this has been so great. Thank you so much for all of these great tips and just your perspective on this. Where can the listeners find you after the show? You know, I think my website is probably the best place. It's just me, nedrarazinas.com. And and then I'm on LinkedIn a lot too. That's that's definitely one of the platforms I choose to to have uh, relationships on. And yeah, those are two places. Okay, awesome. We will put those in the show notes so people can go to your website or find you on LinkedIn. Again, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. This was a great conversation. 
Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.